Whiskey Weeks 2022 is rolling on here on the Hops and Spirits Kentucky podcast, and we're uh, sticking with a little bit of food and drinks uh, this week. It's a fun one. You won't want to miss that, so stay tuned for it here in just a few short minutes. And remember, if you missed any of our past episodes, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or go to hopspirits.com where you can catch them all, all the episodes of this podcast and our other podcasts as well. But before we get to our Q&A, let's dive into some news and notes around Kentucky. Russell's Reserve has announced the debut of an all-new annual limited edition collection called Russell's Reserve Single Rickhouse. That's right, this distinct expression will be from a location at Rickhouse where the liquid is aged. Um, each single uh, Rickhouse bottling will feature a rare liquid from a different individual Rickhouse, past and present, at Wild Turkey Distillery. The inaugural release, Russell's Reserve Single Rickhouse Camp Nelson C, uh, features liquid from only 72 barrels from the now dismantled seven-story Rickhouse Camp Nelson C. It was built in 1946 and decommissioned in 2021. Uh, Camp Nelson C became a treasured Rickhouse of wild turkey distilling. Uh, for those that uh, know that that history there, uh, th- this expression has been aged for over 10 years, and it's a limited release of a non-chill filtered bourbon that was bottled at 112.4 barrel proof, and will be available for a limited time at select U.S. retailers and the Wild Turkey Distillery for a suggested retail price of $250 per bottle. And Lexington Fresh Bourbon has officially opened its tasting room experience in downtown Lexington. It's located across from Carson's at 377 East Main Street. It'll be open Wednesdays through Saturday from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. According to news releases, Fresh Bourbon previously announced its intentions to open uh, or to build a distillery near the distillery district in Lexington, but those plans have been put on hold. And last but not least, in the food world, Boondogs Bar and Restaurant was recently featured in a Bloomberg article titled The 13 Best Hot Dogs in America If You Want to Shake Up Summer. The publication praised Boondogs Pimento Dog, which features Duke's Mayo, pickled red onions, bacon bits, and fried green tomatoes. You can try it for yourself or any of their other delicious uh, food out there on Old Richmond Road in Lexington. It's out kind of in horse country there uh, between Richmond Road and uh, the interstate. It's a worth the try and it's family friendly and a place that my family loves as well. But let's not waste any more time. Up next is our Q&A with Rebecca Burnworth, owner of the Stave Restaurant and Bourbon Bar in Millville, which is just outside of Frankfort, Kentucky. She's also an architect and interior designer. Boy, does she have some to- stories to tell. Enjoy. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at HopsSpirits.com. Joining us here on the Q&A for Hops and Spirits Kentucky here is we're celebrating Whiskey Weeks 2022. And I feel like this is fitting because not everything has to be full on on the whiskey. Sometimes it can just be in the whiskey world. And I feel like Rebecca Burnworth, who's the owner of the stave and an architect and interior designer by day, will be able to tell us a whole lot about that. Rebecca, welcome in. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And for those that don't know, the Stave Restaurant and Bourbon Bar is where we kind of get to this part of Whiskey Weeks. And before we get into the Stave and everything, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I always like to preface this, the Cliff Notes version, because I know some folks got a lot going on. (laughs) Let me tell you about my first grade teacher. No, uh, gosh, well, yes, and I I do have a lot going on. So I'm an architect. Um, I've been practicing for about 20 years now. Uh, I design restaurants and bars. So my husband and I always joke that uh, 
we accidentally own a restaurant and it was uh, just a, a happy find. So some really good friends of ours actually introduced us to the location and uh, uh, the rest is history for that. So I'm usually a really busy person trying to balance architecture. Um, my husband's a general contractor. So we actually design and build together, which is a blast. Um, so we're always uh, like, I'll design a restaurant he'll build the restaurant. Uh, and then, like I said, we, we found the save location through a good friend and, and then joined the ranks of restaurateurs and started that adventure. Well, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, so while that is kind of, not, I guess, the hobby side, side fun, full second full-time job, you are still working as an architect and a designer during the day, right? I am. Um, so this maybe give you a little bit of background, like you said, the Cliff Notes version, but I'm originally from Cincinnati. I was born in Cincinnati. Uh, I live, my family's all Pennsylvania Deutsch German, which sometimes gets called Pennsylvania Dutch German. Uh, it's actually Deutsch German. Uh, but the, um, uh, the reason why I mentioned that is because I'm actually on my last architecture project. Uh, I do still take projects for friends and, and you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> but for, we're working on the E.H. Taylor House in Frankfurt. So that is just an amazing kind of last project to work on. Uh, an amazing crew is going to do some great things with that place in Frankfurt. Uh, so look out for that for sure. Um, and I, I won't talk any more about that. I'll let them launch that. But, but be on the look for that. So that is my kind of last, I'm winding down. The architecture side, my husband uh, is doing the same. He's winding down his construction uh, portion. And um, he is, we are building our another restaurant for ourselves. Uh, mm -hmm. So we might we might see some uh, German influence in the cuisine there, uh, but we're, we're gonna be down in the distillery district in Lexington. Uh, and I love the tie together. I love that basically you, you jump on the same road, you go out to the stave. Um, and I knew I didn't want to bring another stave restaurant to Lexington. I'm always afraid that's going to kill the stave. I don't want uh, people to stop here and then not keep going because it's a beautiful drive out to the stave. Um, so we are transitioning right now is <laughs> kind of the point of that, getting out of architecture uh, and, and construction, uh, which I don't think you can ever leave. I mean, that's just who I am. I just love to design and uh, I feel like even in restaurant world, I design the experience every single day. And that's part of, um, you know, people coming to the bourbon trail and, and uh, just enjoying the entire experience of food, the place, the people, uh, everything, the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it's, it's still, it's, it's an art form, just different types of art, art forms. I, I like right. to say, and, and you mentioned that, that, you know, you, by trade are an architect designer, but you were always familiar with the restaurant world having designed several spaces in Lexington, I believe several in the distillery district. So, yes. I mean, what's it like, what drew you to maybe that type of architecture and design versus something else? You know, wow, that's a really good question. So, wow. So I used to work for Jarbo Construction. Uh, they are a large commercial um, general contractor here in Lexington, great team of people. Uh, I always feel like I had the best boss ever. Um, he told me when I sat down and this is, it's a little unusual for an architect to take that path. So I, I guess being married to a general contractor, when I started working in architects offices, I didn't, 
I just wasn't generally satisfied. I, I really wanted more and wasn't sure what that was. And one day I called Jarbo and I said, what would it be like for an architect to work for a contractor? And he said, I don't know, come on. And we started doing design build, like not kind of not knowing what we were doing, but uh, but essentially put a team of great subcontractors together that were willing to work with me and the style that I, I wanted to do. Um, but one thing that he said, and this was super important, uh, he said, do you know what people want? Do you know what your clients want? And I'm like, well, they want amazing designs, of course. And he said, no, they want to get the doors open. That's what they want. And he really set me on this path of uh, design, but also get that permit. Your goal is to get the building permit and to get the certificate of occupancy. And that's what gets the doors open. And I thought, okay, he literally trained me for four years, just getting that permit, getting that CO. And I think uh, we started doing restaurants and I, I think I found, I got, I got pretty pretty decent at helping people get in the door and helping get the doors open. Um, restaurants are very code heavy projects. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm kind of a weirdo architect where I don't take my continuing ed classes necessarily with other architects, but I actually take them with all the code officials. So the code officials in the state of Kentucky, so that's all the fire firefighters, the fire, fire marshals, the uh, yeah, the uh, building inspectors, any other code officials, zoning officials sometimes um, all take classes in the fall and the spring, and I go to those conferences with them. Uh, so I've kind of grown up as an architect with them. I've been part of their organization, which is the Code, of, code Administrators Association of Kentucky uh, for about 18 years, I think, 18, 19 years. Uh, so I'm glad that they, they, they pulled me in, but knowing the code and knowing how to get the doors open, I think was a nice blend of skills that people that are wanting to do restaurants appreciate. So that's, restaurants are typically really, really code heavy. They're an assembly space, which in the eyes of the building code is a very dangerous, um, a very dangerous code heavy project. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's just something I got to know. I guess I, I made a niche for myself, knowing those codes, knowing how to get people in the door. Well, and, and you've done it very, very well. And it's a, it's a tough, Thank it's a lot you. of red tape. It's a lot of red tape. And a, a lot, lot of, of red tape. <laughs> a lot of different things that can, can yeah. you know, stumble a project along the way. But what made you then, you know, obviously you were working in that world kind of, you know, behind the scenes, like you said, you're basically getting them the key and then you're not leaving, but hey, it's your job now. And now it's I'm on to my next project. But you decided to hold on to that key all of a sudden. <laughs> what, what changed? Well, I'll be honest. Like I said, some good friends uh, were really smart, found this location. And I remember we were building them a restaurant uh, at, at the time. And we're like, you're crazy. Like, we're so busy. There's no way. Uh, that we have time to open a restaurant. We don't have time to work at a restaurant. And uh, they're like, no, 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 this location's amazing. And we actually went uh, to look at it with them. Actually, I went by myself. That's funny. I went by myself, saw the location. And I really, I don't even think I really had, I, you know what, what made me approach it more than anything was not actually bourbon trail things. It was actually the size. So it's only 900 square feet, really tiny. 
And they were like, hey, let's all partner together. We'll do this amazing thing. And, and then the location, as we got into the project, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So this is really on the bourbon trail. Wait, who's this castle and key down here? What are they going to do? And so they like, then we started hearing about what they were trying to do. And, um, we, uh, I started talking to mint julep tours and I think we were trying to figure out what does the bourbon tourist want? Who is the bourbon tourist? And at that time, I didn't feel like I had as a bourbon local, <laughs> I didn't know what a bourbon tourist wanted. Uh, so, and I think at that point, we hadn't even been on a bourbon tour. So uh -oh. it's actually Woodford Reserve. I know that was like, what are you doing? Like, come, come hang out with us. I'm like, great. So Woodford Reserve actually taught us a lot as we were on our planning days and uh, trying to get open. Uh, but Mint Julep Tours helped a lot. We talked with them for a long time. Um, and it, hilariously, as we were in construction, our partners were like, you know what? We're too busy. Yep. We're going to just stay over here and do our restaurant. So we, <laughs> that's why I always joke, we accidentally own our own restaurant, but we, uh, we proceeded uh, despite that. And I think um, everybody's happy doing their own projects. So uh, the stave, that's how the stave was born. Well, and it's a unique location out in Mill, Millville, correct? If, if you can find that on the on the map. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. The Millvillians are like the most amazing people ever. I love being in the middle of that. Um, <laughs> we caught a little bit of flack because we put Kentucky kicks ass on the side of our building. So we we got a little bit of flack for that. I think some some uh, some lady came in and yelled at us, <laughs> yelled at my manager for that. But uh, we... Uh, yeah, we persevered. I think that's kind of a favorite moment for people. Um, so I talked to the Kentucky for Kentucky folks. I'm like, hey, I love your logo. Can we put that out in the wild, you know, in, in the, the sticks of Kentucky? So, uh, but Millville is just a great, a great little place. People do like the logo. I think for tourists, it's fun to like roll up and get your picture taken yeah. uh, with Kentucky kicks ass behind you. So kind of fun. But yeah, well, Millville is great. It's a tiny little town. Um, the people are just amazing. Um, we're really lucky to be there. I felt felt the love during COVID for sure. Well, and it's a unique spot because that building, I think, sat vacant for like five years before you guys really got yeah. into it. It, you, it was previously Glens Creek Beer Garden. And like, yeah. was it weird trying to t put that on there? Or was it just kind of, again, something where you've done things like that? You know, taking older buildings. I know you've worked in the distillery district, places like that. And right. it was just another challenge for you, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know, and kudos to my husband as a general contractor, I think us having that kind of project oriented mind where we're, we're project managers. So even <laughs> we, we have some, uh, some friends that we work with, we flip houses. And I remember we approached this house, it was like a 6,000 square foot house. Uh, in Lexington, a very modern house. It was a little bit scary, right? And I'm actually a realtor as well. So my friends that are realtors, they were like, oh, this is kind of scary. It's too modern. Every realtor will tell you modern never sells. Uh, but we tackled that. And I remember they them saying like, this is a little bit bigger than they've ever tackled and like would ask the same question. Like, how, how are you thinking about this? Why are you so calm about the project? But to me, no matter what the size of the project, and there is a limit to that. There's only so much I can handle. But uh, no matter the size of the project, the process is relatively the same. So for us approaching an abandoned building, there's probably there's probably a limit to that as well. Like if you're half falling down, uh, can you save it? 
But this building had good guts. Um, it was basically a blank box, in my opinion. It was an old metal building uh, with not too much character. I mean, I think I think everybody did the best they could with what they had. I mean, it's an old metal building. Um, so we tried to think one past the usual, and we actually wound up took down the we took down the ceilings and we kind of you know vaulted the place and and did as much as we could to make it not a little old metal building. And uh, hopefully we we did that, and then we filled it with bourbon. So that that kind of takes uh, takes it to a new level. Um, but no, we I, you know weren't afraid afraid of that project for sure. Well, and you know, as you guys are building this out, like you said, you accidentally own a, a restaurant. But how important were those connections to you know kind of your your partners at the very beginning, and then just other people you've worked with and gotten to know? I mean, I'm guessing connections went a long way with with you on this you know I think I've always marveled at uh, the bourbon boys at Seth and Justin Thompson I've helped them with a few projects here in Lexington they're amazing humans uh, they I think just being around them and watching what they were doing and kind of uh, you know I helped with Bell's Bar um, a little bit with Justin's House of Bourbon just to kind of get that off the ground uh, they're amazing amazing vision for what they've built is is very inspiring very inspiring and I would just say you know we continue to meet you know we helped with William Tarr Distillery uh helped a little bit with James Pepper Distillery just getting to know Amir uh and he, he would tease me he's like you got to go on a bourbon tour and I'm like yes I'm gonna go on a bourbon tour uh but he uh he's scrappy you know he put his his place together and it was amazing um uh the distillery district just, uh, you know, being, gosh, I feel so lucky that I, I got to work on the distillery district in total. Um, some good friends own that and uh, they were like, hey, we need your help basically getting the doors open. And uh, and that's my, that's what I do. So um, yeah, just at the connections, I, I'm tickled. I mean, it's, 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 I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot over the years. It's been four years, so <laughs> and four years, years with restaurant, <laughs> and a, a lot more more to learn as you go. And oh my gosh, yes! And with obviously the name, the Stave Restaurant and Bourbon Bar, I'm guessing that's a very simple ode to, to bourbon country and, and so forth. Yeah. Is that just how simple it was to come up with the name, or oh god, or, or did it take so a little lot of work? <laughs> where my husband is actually in the room with me, and we're, he's probably going to start laughing, but we, I, if they. I don't know why it is harder for me to name a restaurant than it is naming my children. Like it is almost <laughs> impossible. I'm like, ugh. we actually wrote the tape. So we had this big um, Molly Bracknell and uh, John Sanning helped me get the stave off the ground and chef John Sanning and Molly Bracknell, just an amazing graphic designer. Uh, she, 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 John and I, and sometimes my husband would sit down and just, we kept this sheet of names, right? And we wrote this day and we're like, we were thinking of bourbon barrel parts, right? And we kind of went that direction. And of course the locality we were in, what's the history of that, blah, blah, blah. So we kind of brainstormed and I don't even remember what we were going to call it. It was something totally different. And we finally were like, no, I don't know. That's not it. And we came back to the state and we're like, I, I think that might be it. We hated it the first time. But when we came back to it, we're like, all right, that's it. So here we are trying to name another place in Ispen. I mean, that's all we do. That's all we do is right. Like, what is, is this going to get the point across? Is that a good story? Is that a good base for the brand? You know, just really, really tough. 
uh, to name a place for sure. But we came up with the stave and I think for us, it was really fun to do like a stave wall in the place and to have even our doorknobs, a big stave that you pull uh, to the front door. So trying to have fun with that. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to write those names on a whiteboard, just yes. work through them, yeah. let the bad ones go. Maybe you catch a good one in there. Yeah. You, you never know what happened. And when, when people do get to visit the stave, what can they expect out there? So it's, uh, I, I have some funny reactions sometimes when I'm in there working and people will come in they're like, what, what is this doing here? <laughs> because essentially we're kind of in the middle of nowhere, right? So we are, for tourists, I think it does feel like we're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we're sneakily not. We have uh, Midway, Versailles, and Frankfurt within 10 minutes of us. So we're, we're really close to some, and you know, Lexington's 30 minutes. So uh, I think we're, we're sneakily not far away, but we are. So when they come in and they see, like, uh, like I always say, the stave, I never want to be pretentious, um, maybe a little bit sneakily sophisticated, um, but we want to present Kentucky in just a slightly elevated way. Uh, and so our, our food and I, I think our interior designs reflect that where it's warm, inviting, uh, the, hopefully the, the menu is the same where it's, it's very approachable. So you'll see some favorites on there, but a little spin on some of those things so we do. I think these are some good examples. Uh, we have a catfish and grits uh, that we have with a beautiful little Berblanc sauce on that. We have a, a pretzel crusted trout, again, with a lemon Berblanc sauce on that. Uh, just uh, but a, a hot chicken sandwich, that thing <laughs> sells. Oh my gosh, every, and that, that's what I tell people to get. I'm like, just get the hot chicken sandwich, it's delicious. Um, so we, we really have some fan favorites. I mean, our hand cut fries are just like my favorite French fries and <laughs> our, what I judge all of their French fries against. So, um, we, we have fun with just, like I said, doing simple things, but maybe just a little creative spin on that so that they're unusual. Um, we wanted to reflect where we were and have some river fish on the menu since we're right by, we're about a mile from the Kentucky river. Uh, we wanted to have some river fish, a little bit of game. So we used to have a game meatloaf. Um, hopefully that comes back. That's that's a lot to prep and serve, but uh, that was really fun. And, and it's not just the inside that you all have. You kind of you guys have a nice outside setup too. And yeah. and what, how important is it to kind of extend that beyond the the actual physical walls and have that outside, you know, deck area, even I think oh my in, gosh. The, in the fall, spring, you have uh, little fire pits and everything like that. I mean, how important is the it to have pits. all of that? <laughs> so the fire pits were a result when, so when the governor shut us down and we didn't during COVID and um, we didn't have anyone inside. And I think we're so small that when he was like 50%, 50% can come back. And that includes your employees too. We were like, I think that's like 10 people and we were using it kind of as a commissary so that uh, we had, we were doing fast casuals. So people would come up to the bar window on our porch, order food, and then go outside when they were fi finally allowed back on premise. And um, that worked all summer long. It was great. And then we started to think, okay, maybe we will get open again and actually open. I don't even think we were beyond 50% yet when he was like shut down again. So there was this kind of two or three weeks stint. I don't know if we remember this, like November, December. And I thought, now what are we going to do? We're not even open on the inside yet. He's saying, don't be open anyway. 
now what can we do? And so that's how the fire pits were born. So we, we put every picnic table we had outside and did fire rings. We went and got fire rings and just made fire pits. And we had, it was awesome. We had, oh my gosh, 16, 17 picnic tables, which held about eight to 12 people each. So we, we were packed. It was amazing. The support that people showed us during COVID for the, the things we had to do literally to survive as a restaurant, it was amazing. We are so lucky that we made it through that. I think having the outside in general, like once it warmed up then, and I guess that was 2021, uh, you know, we, were, we got back fully open that February of 2021. Um, uh, Chef Kyle Klatka joined us, which was amazing. Um, we finally broke down the commissary that we had inside the every all the inner workings and and put everything back together polished up all the bourbon again and let people inside finally so we were almost closed for a year uh, inside and and how and you guys also do you guys kind of have a, a different menu outside as well kind of compared yes, to inside so so the, i think it's the tree house is kind of what you 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 have dubbed yeah. it all so we had built the tree house. So we built a deck <laughs> out back by the creek. So we're on Glens Creek, the same creek that uh, Castle and Key and Woodford Reserve are both on. Um, we built a deck. We thought it'd be a great addition for our first birthday, June of 2019. Here we had this deck. And it was really confusing because we have a wraparound porch at the stave, at the stave up front by the road. Uh, and the part of it is a deck. And so staff and everybody were like, what deck? Wait, do you mean the one out back? Do you mean the one, you know, by the restaurant? And it got really confusing. And I think somebody somewhere along the way mentioned like, hey, I'd love to come hang out in your treehouse." Well, we were like, yes, that's amazing. I love it. The, the reason why it's up so high. So those of you that have been to the treehouse at the stave, uh, it's up about, I don't know, 10, 10, 12 feet off the ground, a giant set of stairs going up. Uh, the reason it's so high is because we're in a floodplain. So we're right there on Glens Creek. We had to build it out of the floodplain and it wound up being pretty much in the trees. So I think the tree house is totally appropriate, has its own little bar, has its own little stage. Uh, so in the summer months, uh, and like, like I said, Woodford taught us a lot. They said, April through September is equal to October. And they are not kidding. So here we are coming up on our busiest season. April Keeneland is insane. Uh, of course, we've got Mother's Day, Father's Day, kind of all those things um, mixed in in the summertime keeps us hopping. Uh, but that treehouse is, we have to have it open uh, for September and October. Um, fall football and people coming to visit their children at UK, like, hey, let's go, you know, leave Cincinnati and go down and visit our daughter at UK. And by the way, we can hit the bourbon trail, like huge bourbon trail fans in the fall. So we are, that's our busy, 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 busy season is September and October. The tree house usually takes the overflow. So that's first come first serve. We totally still recommend reservations, uh, especially on a Saturday afternoon on the bourbon trail. It's just impossible. We're definitely at a wait for sure. And super uh, feel so fortunate uh, that we are. But the treehouse essentially is the same. It's the same lunch menu, so we can get the same things out there. Um, and then the lunch menu runs all day out there. It's just what we can prepare in our food truck that we have um, sitting right next to the, the treehouse that, that serves the treehouse and then our inside kitchen serves the stave. 
And and you you touched on this with kind of what you were hoping to do with with the stave and its and its menu. I'm guessing, you know, as the seasons change, do, do a few things kind of change with it on, on the menu and yeah. and things like that. And I know you also like to have some shareables and some different things as, as well. So being in Millville, we actually have a lot of local farms and they'll bring us things, which is amazing. So they'll bring us, you know, zucchini and yellow squash from the garden, or they'll bring us uh, corn from their fields or berries. And we uh, like to take those and make cobblers and make things. So really our specials kind of sometimes reflect like a hyper local produce and, and maybe that is farm to table, but I think we're just trying to be responsible humans and make sure that we're sourcing responsibly. I think in this day and age where you're, um, uh, the food costs are just insane. I mean, we're fighting that every day. We're looking at $7 bunches of celery. I mean, it's, it's absurd. So we're really having to be creative about where we're getting our produce. And, and most of the time, hyper-local is the way to go. Uh, we have a farmer down the street that we work with that he can get us produce and, and uh, has a farm that he grows lettuce on that he'll cut it in the mornings and deliver it to us. Uh, so whatever we need. But in that way, the menu, we have a pretty solid menu, but uh, some of the veggies will kind of rotate on and off some of the seasonal things. And uh, uh, I hope to kind of rotate some favorites back on, but we have fun. Some of the proteins kind of, believe it or not, go in and out of season. I, it sounds weird to, to non-restaurant people, but the, uh, the proteins, you know, the cycle of, you know, like life and, and butchering kind of um, change with the seasons. So we, we put different proteins on at different parts of the year too. Well, I, it's, I love to see what you're, you're doing out there and you've touched on this a, a good bit, but I also know you're kind of actually truly part of the Kentucky bourbon trail and, and a, a restaurant spot on it. And how important was it for y'all to be part of that? Cause you've touched on it. You're close to Castle Key. You're close to Woodford Reserve. You're, you know, a lot of tours go through York with Mint Julep and others. How important though was it to actually be part of that and, and kind of let that be, you know, part of your, your all's identity. So, you know, you have this podcast and I know you talk about bourbon a lot and you know it. I don't think I knew it. I didn't know it at all. I didn't know what I was getting into. Not at all. I had no idea. I was like, oh, I do now. Place. I do now. I didn't yeah, when I see? first started. I didn't when <laughs> see, I first started. That's how it was. <laughs> so if you could take that, that's how it was. We were like, oh, wow, the bourbon trail. Okay. We know about this a little bit. <laughs> But it's, it, we adapt every day. We adjust every day. I redesign that experience every day. I will say during COVID, I felt like we had, we redesigned not only the menu, but our service style. We just, we changed, I, I always say we, we changed four times. Like we reinvented the whole business four times. So I don't feel like, I feel like, like we jumped on started to figure it out. And then just kind of like, they took us and shook the snow globe, you know, and we're like, no, just kidding. Like, this is not how it is. It's totally different now. So it's, I feel like this year was the first kind of, dare I say, normal year where we're like, all right, we get this, like, we know who's coming now. And honestly, not being able to find staff last year just tanked us. It was horrible. We didn't have the service that we, the level of service that we wanted to have, uh, it was just impossible. I mean, it was awful. It was awful. So it's so hard. The bourbon trail, I would say sort of attracted us. Like we kind of understood like, Hey, this is a, a big deal. And we, we saw at that time that maybe the bourbon tourists were topping like over a million, 
But I think in all, we just wanted to make a nice restaurant, you know, and, and, and I think have being a restaurant designer, like it was kind of an exciting thing to say, like, oh, great. Now we get to make our own thing. This is kind of fun. Like I, I listen to all my clients and I try to make what they want. This was a neat opportunity to kind of do what we wanted to do. And I think that was probably what inspired us most. And then the location kind of came second. And we were like, especially once Castle and Key opened, oh my gosh, that, and then, you know, once they released their bourbon this year, just a whole nother matter. So, uh, and they've been, everyone, we're so lucky to have Woodford on one side and Castle and Key on the other side. Castle and Key has been, um, you know, so personal with us and, and uh, allowing us a lot of opportunities. They actually, for their gins, uh, so they would start coming out, right? That's when they they did their restoration gin and then they started coming out with spring and fall series after that. They let us pre-launch all of their gins and actually pre let us pre-launch uh, the restoration rye as well. So we wound up having like little pre-launch events where we would be, uh, you know, just we got it from the distributors a couple of days early per Castle and Key and just had a blast with that. So we're very, very lucky to have them as neighbors. That, that is an awesome. And I love Castle and Key. You got to talk to Brett recently and that was a lot oh, of fun. Nice. And, He's such an expert. Oh my gosh. And, and uh, you know, when you get to do stuff like that and show off kind of maybe that bourbon bar or those cocktails, I mean, how, is that another fun extension for you all to be able to do a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, architecture of, of drinks, so to speak? I love doing that. I love kind of researching and, and finding some flavors that work. But I will say we had wild dreams about these beautiful four and five ingredient cocktails. And then we got pummeled and, and we get the volume is just so much that we actually had to pull back and, and really simplify our cocktail mem menu. Now, I don't want that to mess with flavors, but I think over the years we've found that people really, so we have a burnt orange old fashioned, that's kind of our flagship drink. Uh, and we go through dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens a week. Uh, and then we have a few kind of creative mules and some blackberry spritzes, again, just trying to showcase like what Kentucky has, obviously the bourbon, but then kind of, you know, trying to do some other things, but we're so lucky. We've got some great vodka and great gin to play with, with, uh, uh, with Castle and Key products, we try to do a, I was really excited about this and I'll just, this will kind of be a fun snippet for people not in the restaurant industry, but the, the alcohol reps will have these kind of big events where you can go kind of uh, sample basically everything that they have, everything they distribute. And we went to Heidelberg's uh, one year and they had uh, Hovding Aquavit. And uh, which most people have never heard of, but Willet imports it. So Willet, I believe the owners of Willet um, are Scandinavian, and this is a Scandinavian uh, caraway seed liqueur. And when we taste it, we were like, oh, Bloody Mary, this is great. <laughs> so the state Bloody Mary is actually with um, the, with the Willet's uh, Hovding Aquavit, as well as Castle uh, uh, and Keys Gin. It's delicious. Like it. <laughs> it's a, a unique spin on on everything, which I feel like that's just kind of your style to to go for and and put put your touch on it all. And and as as we wrap up, you know, you've kind of teased on it, 
what's next for y'all that you're allowed to say that won't get you yeah, in right, trouble <laughs> that won't so, get you in trouble <laughs> so we're really lucky um we found a spot in the distillery district and of course i'm i'm in heaven because i've i've tried for so long to help get clients in there and design some spaces there that um they're i'm i have the most amazing clients but uh i'm happy to be there as as a tenant uh, and so we actually took battle axes, moved out to a different location and we are taking their space. So we're going to do kind of a larger concept. Uh, like I said, there might be some, some German influence there, uh, but it'll, it'll be fun. Maybe tacos and tequila. Who knows? Ooh, ooh, who knows? <laughs> I like the tease. You'll just have to watch, watch out and yeah. find out. And, and for those that want to come out and visit this day, um, and, and visit it in Millville, what it's Wednesday through Saturday or Sunday? What what are your well, Wednesday hours? through Sunday? And, it, and it's pretty intuitive. I think we we start at eleven every single day, uh, and then some some days we close at eight, some days we close at nine. So the Wednesday and Sunday we close at eight, and the rest of the days we close at nine. On Saturday nights we have live music out at the stave. So every every Saturday night, April through October, uh, we have live music from seven to nine, uh, six to eight until June 1st, and then seven to nine after that. Um, that, that we might stay a little past that for everybody. So <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a good time. It's, it's really fun. The drive out there is just outstanding, right? Going out old Frankfurt Pike is my favorite way to go. Uh, just gorgeous, gorgeous drive out there. And folks, if you haven't, I recommend checking it out. The Stave, um, Millville, Rebecca, this was a lot of fun. And I appreciate you sharing. It was nice that. to meet you. Thank you. 